Welcome to Know Your Risk Radio on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. Know Your Risk Radio is hosted by Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Know Your Risk Radio is brought to you by Bulwark Capital, helping families navigate the ever-changing and often volatile markets. Know Your Risk Radio starts now. Here's your host, Zach Abraham. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us for yet another hour of the most scintillating hour in finance radio. Another hour of the most scintillating hour. I, I Like I was telling the guys in the three-minute open, man, I, I'm gone for eight days and I'm off my game. For yet another of the most scintillating hour in finance radio. That's how it's supposed to go. So let me pull my stuff together. Anyway... Really pumped to be back. Uh, I was again telling the, the the folks on the on the three minute open here in Seattle that man, don't ever en- underestimate the power of a well needed vacation, right? Especially without kids. I love my kids, love my lo- love my dudes. Um, but like I say, I think there's two kinds of trips that we take, especially as parents and adults. <clears throat> We take the family on a family trip, right? We go with our spouse on vacation. <laughs> when I, whenever I go somewhere with the kids, it's not, we have fun, right? It's not relaxing. I don't usually come home from that rejuvenated. A lot of times I take, feel like I need a day or two to recover from the vacation. But man, you come back with, you know, just basically no responsibilities. God bless my parents and my in-laws for taking care of the kids. So thank you guys. But yeah, I'm fired up. I'm fired up to be here. Nice, you know, to be able to get some quiet mind time and think and especially in these crazy environments. So great show planned for you today. And a lot of it is extraordinarily topical. So I can kind of give you an inside man view of what is happening specifically today. And we will get to what's happening today and yesterday. This is the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. They've, they're going to shut it down. FDIC is taking control, but I can kind of give you some inside man knowledge on this because one of the companies that I serve on the board of, um, we had a small account there and we, we're, we're going to get virtually all the money back, but it's a bit of a waiting game. Um, but this is why, especially with corporate accounts and things of that nature. Now I know there are going to be people out there that will that will go, well, Zach, this is why, you know, you've said you don't need to worry about your money at big banks. Guys, Silicon Valley Bank or a local, um, um, you know, credit union or whatever, it's just, it, 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 you you can't really, would I advise you to have all your cash at a local credit union? No, no. I think when you're talking about these smaller ones, but if you're talking about these bigger Fed member banks, I, again, you're going to hear a lot of fear mongering come out about this. Um, first of all, Silicon Valley bank was in a unique situation. Uh, second of all, I do not think they will be the last third of all. If anybody tells you this is about ready to cause a bank collapse, like 0809, shut up, just do quit listening. Okay. It's not going to feds, not going to let it happen. Period. End of story. I don't care what anybody says. And I know there's a lot of fear porn out there. A lot of fear mongers sitting there going to be like, Oh, here comes the collapse of Western society. And you guys know my outlook. And I'm not overly constructive here on the market. I've been telling you, look, this isn't over. This is yet another bear market rally. Here we are back down to the end of the range. Um, you know, so we're not overly optimistic. I'm just going to tell you what to be afraid of and what not to. Right. And, you know, um, yeah. So anyway, but let's get into the market update here. And specifically, let's focus on Silicon Valley Bank. Okay. And, and like I said, I'm in a position where I can kind of give you the inside scoop. So first of all, let's frame this correctly. The Silicon Valley bank issue that's happening today, that's roiling markets. And that happened yesterday was roiling markets as well. This isn't 0809, but this is a perfect example of why we've been telling you for a year and a half. I know there's a lot of other people out there arguing different things. I'm not saying they're stupid. I'm just telling you there are a lot of things like I I say this all the time. There are a lot of things in investing that are objective. There are a lot of things in investing that are subjective. I think most things are subjective, actually. There are some things that aren't, okay? And when you see interest rates going up like this, 
Everybody is going to focus myopically on the interest rates. Go, well, we can. It's just like what happened in housing. Well, 5%, 6% mortgages, that's still historically low. This isn't going to stop housing, right? We've been talking about this for a year and a half. Okay. Once again, you're looking at all the wrong things. Okay. You're forgetting to think about the impact that that has on the individual. You're forgetting to think about the family out there that was shopping for houses when rates were between two and a half to three, didn't pick one up. Now looking at the same houses at six and a half to seven, and they just can't afford it, right? And and Chase Taylor, who we're gonna have, we we have on this this week for a uh, for an interview, he refers to it as the lag reaper, saying that when you see things like this happen, when you see these big interest rate hikes. There's a tendency, and we go into this in deep in deep detail in our conversation, so I think you'll have a really good understanding of you know, how this all lays out and how we look at it. But he refers to it as the leg reaper because everybody sits there and goes, well, so good so far. And you're like, hold on. you got to wait for the impact. Okay? What is happening at Silicon Valley Bank is essentially this. They bought $88 billion worth of mortgages – at some point in the last two years, okay, that we're paying about 2.7%. Now, remember how I talked to you, if we think about mortgages and bonds, they work the same thing. When when the interest rate on mortgage, if you own mortgages that are paying 2.7 and rates on those on mortgages today are paying six and a half to seven, those, those mortgages that you bought that are paying 2.7, they've lost a significant amount of value, okay? Now, Silicon Valley bank is a bank that Silicon Valley, right? It primarily is servicing almost exclusively startups, VC funds, VC firms, right? Small tech startups, stuff like that. Okay. Well, when we get into a market like we did last year, where tech's getting hammered, a lot of funding for tech is drying up. We got to think about a lot of these small tech startups. They're not profitable yet. Right. So they got to keep bringing in rounds of capital. Well, as you can imagine, over the last year with what's been going on with technology stocks, which we've been warning you about for over a year and a half. okay, with what's happening with technology stocks, a lot of those sources of funding have driven up, have dried up. Right. So. What that means is, is those companies, those VC, those those small startup tech companies now, in order to pay their bills, they're drawing down. Their savings accounts, right? They're drawing down their deposit accounts because they're not getting new inflows of investor capital. So Silicon Valley's deposits as a bank were drawing down. When the bank's deposits draw down, they have to sell down their assets, right? Because what does the bank do? You put stuff on deposit there. The bank puts it in ideally very safe stuff that generates interest, right? Some of that interest gets returned to the depositors and some of that interest is what the bank makes, right? So as that deposit rate drops, the banks have to sell off. They got to balance things out. So they got to sell down some of those deposits so they can return the money to the depositor, right? Is they're leaving or is they're pulling their, is they're drawing their accounts down? Well, in order to do that, they had to sell those mortgages and they started taking substantial losses on them, right? And there we go, right? Therein lies the problem. Now, there may be, my suspicion is, is that there's probably other untoward and, and, and maybe not good stuff on their balance sheet, because if it was just that issue now, guys, we're still going through, this is still very much the fog of war here. Um, but we, and we'll know more going forward. Maybe it is just the mortgages because that would cause a big enough issue. Again, think about it. You're treating these like, you know, you're using them to back deposit or money. You're buying these things thinking they're just going to pay off interest and everything's going to be fine. Then all of a sudden you go to sell them and you're sitting on a 15 or 20% loss, right? You can see how that would cause a really big problem. And then what happens, right, is depositors start getting wind of this and they start pulling out their money. And as more deposits pull, they got to keep selling more mortgages, which means they're taking bigger losses, which precipitates more people to pull their money, which means they got to sell even more. And it just turns into this vicious cycle. So my suspicion is if it was just the mortgages, somebody would have stepped in and backstopped them because this was not a situation where they owned, you know, it, it's not like the market went no bid like it did with mortgage-backed securities in 0809, right? I mean, they're selling them for, you know, 15 to 20% hits. 
But, you know, it's not a market that went zero bid, right? If you go back and look at 08, 09, you couldn't sell it. Nobody was buying it because they didn't know, you know, they, they, they didn't want to, they didn't want to go out there and purchase cancer, right? And they didn't know where the cancer was. So just that market froze. This is not the same thing. So my suspicion is there may have been something else in the balance sheet. I could be way off. We'll see what filters out. What else could be on the balance sheet? A lot of really bad loans. So one of the things that was going on in Silicon Valley, and, and I'm not intricately tied into that that area, but you know, a lot of friends, a lot of colleagues, um, and we do some VC funding with you know, well, with one company, and I'm on the board of another one, but that's a different story. Um, but you know, I'm enough in there to kind of get the feel of what's going on, and what what's been happening is <clears throat> as the demand to get into these startups, to find the next Facebook or the next Google, right, came, these young startups got more and more leverage, right? They got more, there are more people vying, right? More people hunting for the next Facebook or the next Google or whatever. And so the terms of financing got increasingly generous for, for, for the companies, right? The ones that were looking for capital. And what a lot of them started doing to avoid selling equity, right? Selling a stake in the company is they started taking out debts, Right. And, you know, they'd be like, yeah, you know, we're burning money, but in two years from now, we're going to be profitable and we'll be generating this much profit and we can pay you back the money and, you know, it all work out. Well, as what happens, as what happens with a lot of startups, a lot of them don't come to fruition or a lot of them take longer to get to profitability or, you know, so on and so forth. And so what would happen was they wouldn't be able to service the debt and they'd go back to the lenders and they'd go, well, we want our money. And the lenders would be like, we want our money back. And they're like, well, hold on, you know, because a lot of their lenders were private equity investors, right? VC funds, private equity funds, things of this nature. And private businesses work differently. You don't mark them to market every day because they're not on a market, right? If you own a share of Apple and Apple drops two and a half percent at the end of the day, that impacts your balance, right? Of your account, private companies work different because they're not trading on a, on, on an exchange, so a lot of the times it's up to the VC fund to estimate using a formula or whatever, what the value of their, of their, of their investment is. Well, what these small companies would come back and say is, well, um, if you want to get paid back, we don't have the money to pay you back. So you're going to have to mark all of those bonds down to zero. You're going to have to take a loss and show your investors that you just lost hundred percent of their capital. Well, obviously a lot of those VC funds and VC investors didn't want to do that. Right. So what did they do is they, they participated in additional fundings, right? They're like, well, well, let's give them another run year of runway. Right. We'll loan them some more money. We'll bring in some other guys, loan them some money. So anyway, and I, and I can't tell you that this is what's driving it, but my, what I know is there's a lot of bad debt floating around the Valley. I would be surprised if they didn't have any exposure, what the exposure is, who knows, but what does this all come down to? It comes back to this whole rate story. It comes back to something that we've been telling you guys now for years, which is when you get financial conditions like this, I don't care what Jim Cramer says. God bless him. I don't care what Dave Ramsey says about real estate in an environment like this. And it's not a shot. At, I will say over and over, if you think I'm taking shots at Dave Ramsey, I'm not respect the heck out of him. Okay. But People forget about how important rates are. And this is what we've been trying to tell you guys. When you see rate hikes like this, you're just not going to see equity values going up, not across the board. It's going to create tumult and there's going to be additional knock on effects. And it's never the first thing, right? It's what the first thing causes and then what that causes and then what that causes. And that's what happens. That's what Royals markets. That's what gets things crazy like we're seeing. So as far as the rest of it, we had the jobs report coming out um, this morning. I don't want to get too much into that because in our interview with Chase Taylor, we really dig into that. And I'm really coming to the belief, and I, there's a lot of other smart people that, I shouldn't say a lot, there's other smart people that do really good work that are coming to similar conclusions, which is I think the jobs market and quote unquote the job market strength is a bit of an illusion. And I'll just say that for right now, um, just because I, again, I don't want to do this twice 
listen to the interview we, we have with Chase Taylor. We'll air, you know, six or seven minutes minutes uh, of that interview here at the end of the show. And then, as always, to get the podcast, you just go to Know Your Risk Radio dot or Know, know Your Risk Radio podcast. We're on every podcast station out there. It doesn't cost anything. It's free. You can listen to it whenever you want. Listen to the car. Listen to your headphones. Whatever the case may be. Um, but also, if you do that, please subscribe. More subscribers we have helps us get more. All that kind of stuff. Um, as for the rest of it, you know, this week it's hitting tech the hardest. Again, not surprising. You know, that's where this whole deal is centered around. And then we also told you, hey, when a cycle that has gone on as long as this whole technological cycle has gone on and it starts to come to an end, again, it's not just coming to an end like as in it's taking a breather. These are the things that happen. The weak hands get shaken out. The overvaluation comes out of the market. And this is just yet another example of what we've been warning you about. And I think all too often people focus too myopically on the stocks or the securities or the assets and forget to look at the overall environment, right? The market. And I'm not saying it's impossible for stock prices or equity markets or housing markets, or whatever, to go up when interest rates are going up. Okay. We've seen examples of that in the past, but not with rates increases like this guys. And this is why, right? One of the things that nobody ever thinks about is where do all those bonds, all those bonds that people bought at ridiculously low interest rates, they're somewhere. And when rates go up like this, their balance sheet is getting a hole blown in the side of it. All right. And this is exactly why we've been raging against bonds for the last eight years, because the same thing happened to individual investors last year with bonds. It blew a hole in their portfolio. Right. It's just horrible risk reward. Think about that. They took on the risk. In a rising interest rate environment where we're already beginning to see signs of accelerating interest rates, when rates were at zero, a bank was buying 2.7% 30-year mortgages. Think how stupid that is. In this environment, would you loan somebody for 30 years at 2.7% money to finance a home purchase? I wouldn't. Right? It's craziness especially when rates are at zero and you're already seeing inflation to ramp. That's the other crazy thing about this. It's not like this whole interest rate situation popped up in the last three weeks. They had time to unload some of this. They had time to hedge their interest rate risk. There's a million different things they could have done. Now, the the partially scary part of this, and I want to put scary in a, in a not a hyperbolic manner, just why I will be surprised if this is the last smaller size community bank or whatever the year has problems, because there's more of them sitting out here like this. I guarantee you. The other thing it's going to precipitate is I think smaller, more vulnerable regional banks, this will have them see money getting pulled out. And there is a potential for runs. I, again, I don't see it on the big banks. The Fed won't allow that to happen. I'm not concerned there. But on the small regional banks, you might want to be a little careful. Um, and, and the tricky thing is guys, is it's really hard to know which ones because you got to have look through to the balance sheet. You got to see what they own. Okay. And all of this feeds back to why we do what we do. We have a day like today, the value portfolio was up almost 2% at one point. I think we closed up around 1.5, 1.6, actually having a pretty nice week up about two and a half percent on the week. Um, a lot of that because we got long volatility in the last, uh, Early last week, and we've been adding to it since, just just feeling like something was about ready to bust. Um, that's kind of a scary trade at times because vol hasn't worked for a while. But again, th- this is why we do things the way that we do them, guys. This is the why we play defense, is to hedge against these risks. And I'm, I don't think we're, again, I'm not saying we're on the edge of a, a market collapse or anything like that. Um, what I am saying, though, is that I, I don't think you're going to see the end of these issues. And if you're near or in retirement right now and you see this and you've been listening to the show and you've been telling you, like, I I think we've established, again, we're not going to be right about everything, right? But overall, the principal view, we've established this is a highly risky market where we think there's going to be a lot of downside and a lot of turmoil and you better not go out there naked, right? You better have some protection. You better manage your risk if you're in or close to retirement. And, And by doing that, the reason we don't do that, the reason people don't... Well, Zach, I'm waiting for things to bounce back up. Or I've heard from Jim Cramer at the start of a new bull market. We can go one after another, right? At the end of the you got to start thinking about something. you got to prioritize things. If your retirement portfolio blows up, you're done. So what does that mean? 
Whatever we do, we need to do it in a way that we ensure that that worst case outcome doesn't come to fruition. Right? Because nothing else matters if that happens. If you have a total or a catastrophic loss, it doesn't matter how good the next 10 or 15 years are going to be in, as far as investing goes. You're done. You lost. How do we avoid doing that? Managing risk. And we can do it while increasing your upside, guys. We're doing it. I mean, again, we've established a good track record. And I'm not sitting there saying it. We're the gods. of. We, we're not. I'm not. We're not. There's, I could list you a hundred guys that are smarter than me. I don't think that they're very wise, though, in terms of setting up portfolios that can stand up to anything, knowing that we're not in an average environment. And if that interests you, which it should, I mean, for anybody that's going to rely on their investment assets, their retirement assets to fund their retirement, it should. I mean, A, we've been right about a lot of this. Second of all, we've been able to shield our clients from the vast majority of this pain. You deserve the same amount. And if you're not getting that, then what are you paying a fee for? So call us, 866-779-RISK, 866-779-RISK. There's a better way. Give us a call. Anyway, we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Stick with us through the break. Tons of other good stuff coming up, plus the interview with Chase Taylor. You're not going to want to miss it. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Do better in bull markets. Do better in bear markets. Pay less fees in all markets. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. You can subscribe to Zach's free newsletter, The Bulwark Insider Report, at knowyourriskradio.com. If you're retired or headed there, is your portfolio positioned for a successful retirement? Well, with the state of the economy right now, risk management has never been more important. Join Bulwark Capital's Zach Abraham for his free live webinar, March 23rd, to learn how their risk management strategy and active management of portfolios can actually lower their volatility. It is a free live webinar. Todd, protecting retirement portfolios against loss is our number one focus. Our live webinar is a fully transparent look into the Bulwark investment strategy. We'll show you how it worked last year as well as in previous years and why a basic 60-40 stock bond mix is outdated and a big risk in today's economy. Learn how our risk management strategy can help protect your retirement. Join Zach March 23rd at 3 p.m. Pacific time. It's free, but space is limited. Register now at knowyourriskradio.com and learn about Bulwark's risk management strategy and performance. That's knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advisory services offered through Truck Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back ever so briefly I cut things off a little bit too quick in the in the last uh, segment, but I, the reason I did it because I forgot to plug this. We've got our next road show coming up on March 23rd. Okay, so if you want an opportunity, a free opportunity to log on to our webinar, it usually runs depends on how long the Q and A session is at the end, but the whole thing, including the Q and A, which you don't need to stay for that, usually runs 45 minutes to an hour. Whole presentation usually goes 30, 35 minutes. Run you through everything we do: our retirement planning process, how we manage the portfolios, the returns, how things have worked, all that kind of stuff. If you want to know pricing, all that kind of stuff, how our stuff works, how we handle long-term care insurance, all that stuff. Sign up for our free uh, webinar coming up, our roadshow webinar on March 23rd. You can do it by going to the website, knowyourriskradio.com or capitalmanagement.com. You guys can figure it out. Hope to see you then. Stick with us through the break. We'll be right back and get back into the show. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach uncover the truth about the financial markets with simple and honest advice to help you plan for retirement. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. We're talking with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. Zach, I know you and Bulwark are laser-focused on risk management. What is the biggest risk right now as you see it? Ironically, bonds. Really? Why? Due to all the money printing from central banks in the long period of zero interest rates, some serious inflation has hit. I'm sure you're aware. 
and inflation crushes bonds. We've been talking about it for seven years. If your portfolio has a significant portion of bonds, you may need a bond replacement strategy. You do need one. Get our free booklet, Common Sense Investing, to learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy. This shows you how to protect your retirement against loss, but still get market gains. Our goal is the highest returns with the least amount of risk and cost. Call now for your free copy of Zach's new version of Common Sense Investing. Learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you so much for sticking with us. All right, so this is a different... We're going to skip out of the market update. This is kind of tied to the market update. And I just want to make this clear because... um, yeah, I know a lot of you guys listen to it just for general information, but I know that some of you guys are actionable on it. We've talked about volatility. We've talked about how suppressed volatility is. And I think I mentioned to you guys that we were looking at getting long again. I probably did. I think that I did. Um, w- when you look at the VIX today, where did it finish? The instrument that we use to play volatility index as a hedge is an ETF, but it doesn't track the VIX perfectly. So let me pull up the VIX today. Uh, the VIX was up 10% today. At one point, it was up about 15. Our position is is kind of a levered VIX position. So we were up about 20% on that position today alone. At one point, we were up 30%, sold a chunk of that. And this is one of the reasons that we'll use to hedge. Uh, we'll use volatility to hedge because when you get it right, um, it pays really big to the upside. Um, and what that means is that you can hedge a portfolio. That's why our, our value portfolio was up. I think I just checked the numbers. I think it was like 1.3% today. That was a big reason why. Um, but if, if, so if you want to get into that, let me just, I want to just issue a very clear warning. Okay. If you buy volatility and you hold it for any, if you hold it long enough, you will lose all your money. Okay. Every single time. Because when you buy volatility, what, what you're buying essentially, and this is really complex. We've talked about it on the show before. I'm going to do my best to explain it. Um, volatility isn't a stock, right? It's not a company we can go buy. It's expectations basically to make it simple of bad things happening. So when people think bad things are going to happen, the volatility index is higher because what it represents is more people buying th- put options that go up when things go down. Okay. So if you think of volatility, if you think of the VIX, the volatility index, and you can see it on the front page, guys, if you want to know, you can just go to CNBC. Um, it's not where I track it, but you know, we're tracking it in real time. But, but if you go to CNBC on the front page, they've got the Dow listed, the S and P 500, the NASDAQ, the Russell 2k. And at the end of that, of their opening screen, you don't have to dig through it. The last box you'll see on the right after the Russell 2000 is the VIX. And you'll see it. It's the only one that's green today. Okay, so I think the best way to describe the VIX, and we've done whole episodes on this in the past. I had a guy named Jim Carroll on that really all he does, he does other things, but he primarily specializes in trading volatility. So that would be a great one for you to listen to. You can go back and find the Jim Carroll interview we did at some point in the last six months. And we really get into it and explain it. But think of it as a scale, right? The more people that are on the bullish side of things that think things are going well and stocks are going to go higher, that puts more weight on the downside of the VIX scale and the VIX goes lower, right? Usually if you see the VIX between 15 to 20, that tells you the market really doesn't have much fear, um, typically speaking, all right? And then conversely, when people get more afraid or they think bad things are going to happen, right? They're more concentrated on the negative side of the scale. And you push down that side of the scale, the VIX goes up, right? So to give you a reference point, average for the VIX uh, over the last, you know, 50 years since inception, no, no, not not that long, 30 some years, it was invented in the early 90s. Average on the VIX long-term is around 20. So that a reading of 20 basically tells you everything's fine, right? Water's smooth. Um, During the COVID crash, the VIX, the volatility index got up to 90, it set a record. Okay. It got up to 88 in the financial crisis. So that's one of the things that makes it attractive, right? Where if I short a stock, let's say I sell a stock short, I'm going, I'm betting against that stock. 
I can use put options, but let's just make it simple. Um, if I short a stock, the most I can make is 100%, right? If I short a stock at $80 and it goes to zero, I make 100%. If I short a stock at $500 and it goes to zero, I make 100%, okay? The thing we like about the VIX is you can make 3, 4x on it. Not usually, right? Doesn't happen very often. I mean, the VIX has been over 70 twice in the last 20 years, okay? So it's very rare. So, but this is why we like to use it is you get a day like today and it's up 10% and the instrument we own's up 20. At one point it was up 30. Um, and so it can offer cushion. But if you bought it based on me talking, I just want to let you know that we sold a third of it today. Okay. Why? Because that's what you should do in trading. When you get a big day like this, what typical amateurs do is they sit there and go, oh, it's finally going my way. And then they'll give it all back. Okay. When you're using it as a defensive position like this, be quick to take profits. Anytime you make anything hedging to the debt short side or whatever, be quick to take profits. You don't need to be greedy, right? We're just trying to manage risk here. Um, the other thing that helped us out today, we've talked a lot about this, guys, right, is U.S. government bonds. Our bond position at one point was 18% of our portfolio today. It was up 3.5%, right, U.S. government bonds because people are all freaked out about what's going on with banks, and so they start buying treasuries, Okay. I'll tell you the same thing with that. I feel less certain about the interest rate picture. If you've bought 10-year treasuries or the TLT, not telling you panic, sell it. But again, be willing to take some profits, right? Um, the one part of it that I'll tell you, if you home gamers are out there, the one thing that I think people are really overlooking is just short-term U.S. treasuries, guys. You're getting paid darn near 5% to own two-year government treasuries. And what have I been telling you this whole year? It's not going to be sexy. There are going to be times where you feel like you're sitting out the party. I just think when we get to the end of this year and the end of next year, put them together. If, if, if I own two-year treasuries paying me 5%, this means I should make at least 10% over the next two years, right? I think anything in that ballpark is going to be seen as good. I really think that for this year, especially. Next year's a little foggy, but if somebody was to look at me and say, hey, Zach, by the end of next year, you can either fight the good fight or you can just take a 15% gain by the end of next year. What would you do? I mean, the, the, right, the, the the professional side of me, the one that's confident and that's confident in my abilities and all that kind of stuff, wants, no, no, I can beat that, right? But it probably wouldn't be prudent. I'd probably take the 15, right? Because I manage other people's money. And I think if you if your assets grow by 15% over the next 20 months, I think that's going to be a good return. I don't think we need to overcomplicate any of this, right? Um, you know, be willing to, you know, singles and doubles work, guys. It's all part of risk management. And the other thing I want to tell you is, look, I don't think block out is the beginning of a giant collapse. A buddy of mine said this perfectly. Um, he just said, look, it could be or it couldn't be. But if anybody's right about that call, they're dartboard lucky. And I'm using his phrase. And I think he's dead right. Nobody can, right? No, there are a few guys that really dug into it, but think about how many people on September 1st, 2008, were talking about Lehman Brothers collapsing. Very few. I wasn't even talking about them collapsing and I was all bearish on housing at the time, right? So don't listen to those. And, and it doesn't mean that some of them won't get it right. Right. It, it, it just it just means if they do, if I flip a coin enough times, right, I'm, I'm going to get heads. Right. Um, and, and you just that's why you got to take those. Now, they're like, well, Zach, you've been saying, look, if you noticed, I have not said this market's going to the tank. This market's going down. Could it? Sure. Anything can happen. I'm just saying I don't really think that fits where we're at. And I also don't think the Fed is going to sit idly by. And there are people like oh, you're being Pollyannish. And I'm like, no, I'm not. You, just look at what the Fed has done. Okay, what is it? Now, I'll go out on a limb right now and say something. I'll put myself out there. Watch. I will be surprised if you don't at least hear someone from the Fed come out and say something reassuring about the market and cause at least a one day solid rally next year, next week. That's also one of the reasons we took some profits on our hedges, right? Because I think. A, we've got the weekend to assess this. We can kind of read more of the information coming out, get a clearer picture on it. Second of all, I just think it's really unlikely that the Fed's not going to do anything. Why? Because of what they've done for 15 years. And this is the exact, this is the exact fix 
that we were talking about for years and years and years saying when you hold rates at this low of a, of a, of a level, right, for this long, when you go to raise them, that will become the crisis. What's happening now? And if you people have been listening to me for a long time, again, I'm not saying it because I'm perfect and smart. It's just common sense. And, and that's become all too common. And a lot of you have portfolios that don't make any sense. I'm just telling you, not we're the best thing since sliced bread. Just it for at least let's deploy some common sense here. When you have rates that low that long, everybody that's got anything that's financed is at rates that low. When you push them this high, not all of those people, but some of them, a good chunk, are going to have to refinance. And when they do, they got to do it at a much higher rate. And what does that do to their cash flows? It hits them. What does that do to the banks that own those assets at those lower rates? It blows a hole in their balance sheet. This is what we've been talking about. And the Fed, in my opinion, I think, and Chase and I will dig into this deeper during the interview that we did today, but the Fed is approaching an interesting situation. Like I said, I doubt this will be the last bank. Don't think the big ones are in trouble. But I doubt why, because they're loaded up on a bunch of this low interest rate stuff. And as the economy slows down, client deposits drop, especially with the smaller banks who are perceived as being more risky. And as that happens, the banks are forced to sell more of their assets, which means they're taking on more losses. It's just it's exactly what you're seeing here with Silicon Valley Bank. And so I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle. You're going to be look what's going on with Silicon Valley Bank is not indicative of the whole system. And. Eh. What's going on with Silicon Valley Bank is going to happen everywhere. We're going to have another financial collapse. Eh. Right? What's the truth? It's somewhere in the middle, like with most times, guys. Are there other banks that did with Silicon Valley Bank? Yeah, of course there are. Did all of them do it? No. Right? It's not a systemic problem. But it's yet another problem of where we think the Fed's going to be or where they are, which is we long said you're going to have to pick at some point because if you get the whole world on these low interest rates over 15 years, when you go to hike them, that becomes the issue. You don't need to sit there and say, what else is this going to cause? It's going to have another knock on effects, but the hikes themselves are going to do it to you. So at some point, the Fed is going to have to pick what is most important to us, employment in the stock market or inflation. And again, just using history as a guide, I think that they will learn to or they will accept higher than desirable rates of inflation just because that's what they do. That's what central banks do. It's more political. But think about it. What would you if you were running for office? Let's say you're running for president and the central bank came and asked you, hey, what would you prefer us to do? Allow a 50 to 60 percent drop in the stock market or deal with four to five percent inflation. It's a lot easier to get reelected with four to five percent inflation and four percent unemployment than it is with a 50 or 60 percent downswing in the market and nine percent unemployment. There you go. That's why they usually go that route. And the Fed will tell you we're not political. They get point. They get appointed by politicians. Right. I mean, I think we all know that ruse. And so when you hear people out there telling you interest and, and honestly, guys, humility and also, um, imposter syndrome, we were having this conversation this morning. There are tons of days when I do this job where I sit there and I think to myself, or even like prayer reflection time or whatever, where I'll have these like mini panic attacks and go, I don't know if I'm qualified to do this. I know it sounds crazy on a radio show for somebody to say that, but I just, I just want to be transparent and honest. We you sit there and go, this is crazy. I, I don't know if I know what I'm doing. I, you know, maybe I'm not, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm not smart enough to do this. Maybe I'm not knowledgeable enough to do this. And then you get into these situations where everybody's like, oh, this isn't going to upset you. And you're like, are you, are you kidding me? You, this isn't going to upset things raising rates like this. And that's where you sit back and go, wait a second. That doesn't jive with anything I know. Right. Interest rates impact everything. I, it's just it's just the way it is. And again, nobody knows for certain how these things are going to play out. But I mean, that's one of the reasons we've been so with sticking so hard to our call saying, look, the worst isn't over. There's more punches coming. You just can't do this without having that. Right. It's just it. It's part of the deal. So, again, guys, what we're seeing here, in my opinion, is a complete breakdown in common sense, much like we're seeing in other parts of the culture and other parts of the, you know, the world that we're living in today. 
And unfortunately, so many of your portfolios are complete reflections of that lack of common sense. How many of you are sitting here today listening to this show right now? And after what happened last year, what's still happening right now, your advisor's telling you, just stick with it. We're not even changing. Do you know how crazy that is? The entire backdrop, the entire financial landscape has been flipped around. If you don't think that warrants a change in your portfolio, I would just ask you what would. You waiting for World War III to bust out? I mean, what, what will do it? Right? You got your proof in front of you. And, and, and unfortunately, because we've done this so long, I know what it's going to take. It's going to take another 20% hit. Don't do that. There's a smarter way, and we're not the only game in town. Go find somebody that's got some common sense and that at least makes sense. Right? Where you sit there and you go, you know what? That makes sense. Why would I own all these corporate bonds when spreads haven't blown out yet and I can make 5% on two-year treasury? No, no, keep me away from that risky stuff. I'll take the 5% and I know I'm going to be fine. Like you're, you're going to take the risk of an additional 25% loss to make an extra 1.5% on junk debt or corporate? That's just stupid. And spreads still have not blown out, by the way. So if you're out there in corporate debt or high yield, again, I'll warn you, get out. But if you also don't want to try to think about all this stuff, you're sitting there going, I wish we had somebody that could do that for Call us. This is what we do. Active traders. I was telling you today, we were putting that protection, that volatility in client portfolios last week, sold off a good chunk of it today, actively managing the portfolios, right? And this week, I think our total portfolios are down a little bit. Momentum got hit a little bit today. I think overall we were down like 0.4. We were, I think we were up a little bit yesterday. Anyway, but my whole point is saying is that when, when we know we're in crazy times, do we have all that? Do we have all that protection on all the time? No. If environments look good in 2021, I don't think we hedged at all. Why? Because the money was flowing and governments were printing and people were spending. You're not going to be, you're right. In an environment like that, you're not going to be hedged. But when rates start going up like this, you're not going to be careful. You're not going to be on the defensive side. And if you're not, what are you paying the fee for? Give us a call, 866-779-RISK and 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, boardcapitalmanagement.com. Follow me on Twitter, at Radio. And I just, I, I'm going to, I had a plan to do one more segment, but I don't want to pull more time away from the interview. I think the interview that we did with Chase is very topical. I think Chase is obviously extremely smart, which is why I've hired him as our macro analyst. Um, and so we're this will be our last segment. We'll cut it off here. Uh, and then don't leave because we'll air the first, you know, eight to 10 minutes or whatever of the interview. And then as always, you can, you can, uh, access the remainder of the interview, which again, I'd strongly recommend because, Again, not bragging. I just think that my and Chase's outlook, and Chase has done the majority of the homework on this, but obviously we collaborate. Um, I just think our macro outlook has been better than most. Um, And I think we've been accurate about a lot of these things. And, you know, until we're not, I just think it pays, pays, I think it pays to listen to a guy like Chase and, and, and just sit there and go, Hey, he's been remarkably spot on regarding several things, you know, nat gas, oil, you know, all these different things. I I should at least listen to why he's saying things. And I think if you do, you'll just listen to a lot of common sense, a lot of horse sense. And unfortunately, we're living in a world right now. Again, I'll point to Silicon Valley Bank and just saying, what were these bankers thinking about backing up the truck in a rising interest rate environment and not hedging their rate risk? I just don't know. It's crazy. It's crazy. It was the first thing. It's the first thing I would have asked if I was running a bank. What's our duration and what's our exposure to higher interest rates? Well, guys, we're looking at higher inflation prints here. We got to either sell those suckers off or we got to hedge that rate risk. It would have been that easy. It would have been that easy. It's not a big deal. What's going on? I just think it's a breakdown of common sense. I think people have been anesthetized for 15 years of the Fed nursemaiding this market, and they've just kind of become anesthetized to risk. Don't be one of those people. Okay, because risk is going to happen and it happens fast. Don't sit there and take it on the chin, right? There's a better way. Call us, 866-779-RISK and 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website. I'm, I'm repeating myself. So anyway, we're going to take a quick break. We'll stick through, we'll stick with us through the break. Also sign up for our radio, our, our uh, roadshow webinar coming up on March 23rd. You can do that at knowyourriskradio.com. Again, doesn't cost anything. It just allows you to look in. I talk. We do a Q&A session at the end. It's not recorded. It's live. And if you can't be there in time, we can have a recording for you. But anyway, sign up for that. It just gives us a look through to how we do things, the process, how it's worked. We explain it. 
by the time you leave there, you'll know how we do things. Not every little thing, but you'll have a very good idea of what our setup looks like and what makes it different. So anyway, give us a call and uh, stick with us through the break. We'll be right back, air the first part of that radio or that interview with uh, Chase Taylor. And as always, go listen to the end of, make sure you log on to Know Your Risk Radio podcast and listen to the end of that interview because there's a lot of really good stuff. We dig deeper into Silicon Valley Bank. We dig deeper into the employment numbers and why we think there's really some misleading data there. And I think that's very important because again, I think it, everything points to even what's happened today, what's happened. I think everything points to there being more economic weakness that's showing up in the data. And I think that's really important. So anyway, stick with us through the break. We'll be right back with our interview with Chase Taylor. You're listening to know your risk radio podcast, download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach discuss key investment strategies across several asset classes, not just stocks and bonds. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. If you're retired or headed there, is your portfolio positioned for a successful retirement? Well, with the state of the economy right now, risk management has never been more important. Join Bulwark Capital's Zach Abraham for his free live webinar March 23rd to learn how their risk management strategy and active management of portfolios can actually lower their volatility. It is a free live webinar. Todd, protecting retirement portfolios against loss is our number one focus. Our live webinar is a fully transparent look into the Bulwark investment strategy. We'll show you how it worked last year as well as in previous years and why a basic 60-40 stock bond mix is outdated and a big risk in today's economy. Learn how our risk management strategy can help protect your retirement. Join Zach March 23rd at 3 p.m. Pacific time. It's free, but space is limited. Register now at knowyourriskradio.com and learn about Bulwark's risk management strategy and performance. That's knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advisory services offered through Truck Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, again, my favorite part of the show, except maybe maybe with this guy, I got to give him a bad, I got to give him a little bit of a bad time anyway, just because in a very short period of time, he, we're going to be in the office together every single day. And so then, you know, then you've got to have forced pleasantries, but not, nevertheless, I'm still thankful that he's joining us here. He's our, he's our guide through the macroeconomic space, Mr. Chase Taylor. Chase. Thanks for joining us again, man. We're not going to have to do this over uh, computer for very much longer. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. We did the one live show in Seattle, but uh, you'll be able to do it off computer. Great. Oh, that's right. You were. That, did you come to one of the live show? Which one? Yeah, we did one in the studio. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. So no, that'll be that'll be nice. And you haven't. You, and that was in the old studio days. I say that now. That that was pre-COVID bunker days. So, it was. See, my office has become the soundstage now. So. Yeah, we got that going for us. Okay, so uh, ended up having being a pretty good day to have you on. There's some interesting things going on here. Um, I think uh, there's a couple couple different things at play. I, I, I would I would sort of say these are the kind of issues that happen when you see very rapid interest rate hikes, which is why you and I have kind of had the attitude of, hey, watch out. There's going to be other shoes to fall, right? This isn't over. Um, and so I think, you know, let, let's first address what's really going on here at, at, at uh, Silicon Valley Bank in particular. Um, and I can kind of feather in uh, some of my own experience with that right now. We're dealing with a little. Thank God we didn't get caught. I know, Chase, you know, the majority of the background, but for the for the efficacy of our listeners, um, this is precisely why when you're on the board of a small company um, that we diversify our holdings. So. Uh, Silicon Valley Bank has actually been a very good partner for our uh, company Tectonic, um, and been a very good bank. I mean, they're they're they've helped us get to where we are are, but we spaced out our deposits. Um, so it's looking like we'll have a little bit of capital stuck there, but not for our listeners and Tectonic investors. Don't worry, we're we're, we're fine. We really don't have much exposure at all, if any. Thank goodness. But uh, yeah, so this kind of this one hits a little close to home, but but. Bef- so before we get into the whole macro side, let's really explain, because um, you've got your fingers to the pulse of this. Walk us through, again, I, I, I'd rather listeners hear it from you because I think you've, you've, you've really dug into this based on the conversations that we've had this morning and yesterday. Kind of give us the layout. What, what's happening at Silicon Valley Bank? And then let's look at them uh, you know, as a one-off and then, and then kind of spread out from the macro picture from there. Because I do think, 
I do think what's happening at Silicon Valley Bank does have a lot of macro or, or is is mirroring a lot of what's happening in the macroeconomic landscape, but I'll leave that to you and, and for you to lay that out. So kind of give us the breakdown of what's happening. Sure. I'll, I'll start it by saying we're in the middle of, of packing up our house and moving and everything. So I haven't been able to dig into it as much as I would have liked. Um, nor am I very good at banking, uh, not a banking expert by any means, but from what I do know, um, some of it is kind of like a, a you know a broad-based macro problem, and some of it is very um, isolated to to that bank and, and their depositor base. Obviously, their depositor base is largely technology companies and startups in Silicon Valley, um, and a lot of those people don't have a lot of money, and they needed to pull some of their money out of the bank. So you kind of had a you know old-fashioned bank run on the deposit side, um, but on the asset side, there the problem they're having, in my view, is the same problem that every bank is going to have, and that is they have a lot of treasuries and mortgages and things that, and they bought a lot of those back when rates were nothing. Um, specifically, Silicon Valley Bank bought $88 billion worth of mortgages under 2%, actually under 1.7%. Um, so when you, or 2.7, uh, when, when you see stuff like that, you realize, okay, that's, that is a, a massive problem. Um, whenever now all of a sudden you have mortgages up, you know, six, 7%. And, and that's the kind of issue that banks everywhere are going to have. And we see it with, if you go look at like, say Bank of America's unrealized losses, things they don't have to count as a loss, but if you dug into their books, it's a loss if they had to realize it today. All right, guys, due to time constraints, we got to cut things off right there. But as always, if you want to hear the list or hear the rest of this interview, which I highly recommend, a lot of topical things, just go to Know Your Risk Radio podcast and get us on Apple podcast, anything, Spotify, you name it. We're on that. We're on that deal. It doesn't cost you anything. Hear the rest of that interview. Be informed about what's going on and, um, you know, have a better idea of what's happening in the world. Don't be that guy with your head in the sand. All right, let's let's know with what we're dealing with. Anyway, have a great weekend. Hope you enjoyed the interview and the show. We'll see you next week. Got a bunch of great slate interviews lined up. You're not going to want to miss this. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Thanks for listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Schedule your free risk review with Zach Abraham now at knowyourriskradio.com. Zach will be back with more Know Your Risk Radio next Saturday at noon on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.